Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering um, MCU Tier List Part Three. My name is Jules, and today our party members are just me, Mateo. Just Mateo. Um, if you caught the other two episodes, uh, you'll know that it's just me and Mateo. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now let's get our adventure rolling. Um, so this is part three of our MCU tier list. In part one, we placed phase one and phase two films. In part two, we placed phase three films. So make sure you catch both those episodes if you want to have an idea of where we're at. Um, because today, in our third and final episode, we will be placing not only phase four films, but also Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which was newly released. Phase five, but we're going to include it. Yeah. We got to flesh out the the bottom half of this, uh, this tier list now with Facebook. I mean, I I oh I don't just dis- no I do disagree. But anyway, no, there, there's 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 good movies in Phase Four. No, I think we're gonna disagree on this one because I like Black Widow. I think Black Widow is a good film. Um, I think Black Widow is better than Ant Man, and I would argue that Black Widow is better than Captain Marvel as well. Um, I think it has one major issue, and that's really its only issue. And is that they did Taskmaster so, so dirty. Mm -hmm. But literally everything else about the film, I think is really good. I think that the focus on family was a great story for her. I think Scarlett Johansson did a great job in the film. I think Florence Pugh did a fantastic job as Yelena and was such a lovable, like, welcome character. And what's his name, too? Um, uh, David Harbour was mm-hmm. fantastic as Red Guardian. Like, so great. And I, I don't know. I really like the plot of this film. I think it did a great job looking at the Black Widows and who they were and like I think the only I think the only issue of this film is it felt like an unnecessary film because of when it came out exactly but I think if you look at it away from that like if you don't look at it in the context of like when it came out and like what it added to the overall story I think that this movie is just as good as something like as Captain Marvel like I I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad film by any means like I think it's actually a pretty solid film i just wish it came out in phase two or phase three instead of phase four because if it had come out in phase two or three i probably would have came away being like yeah that was a really good film i really enjoyed that i think it just felt like watching it in phase four i'm just like but what am i getting from this film Um, but i'm gonna i don't want to review it on that sense i want to review it on what the film was and i think it was a strong film i think it was a good film and I would watch it again. Like, this isn't a film that I'm like, I'm never watching it again. Like, this is a film that I'm like, I'd like to rewatch this this film. I honestly, I agree with almost everything you said. Like, I, I, could, on, I could live with it being in B tier because I agree that this movie should have been released earlier. And I think if it was released earlier, I would have watched it more times by now. And I would be at the opinion I would be at if I watch this movie again. Because I know if I watch this movie again, I'll like it more. Because I've... Watched it twice, and I liked it way more the second time around than I did the first. And I love David Harbour. I really love Florence Pugh. And Scarlett Johansson did a very good job in this movie as well. And even, like, the parts when they were kids at the beginning, like, the flashback stuff, I thought that was really entertaining as well. I I liked the origin 
of that. And I think it balances the origin story really well with the, the stuff right after Civil War. Not only is Taskmaster bad, but like the villain behind Taskmaster is also really bad, though. That's the thing. Like, that's what to me holds it from being higher and B, or really just holds it back as a movie in general. Like, I think it could have been something really special. I would be fine with it being between Captain Marvel and Ant Man, after Ant Man, before Captain Marvel. I just don't think it's better than Age of Ultron. We'll put it there then, I guess. Okay, cool. Okay. Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. I think this is arguably one of the best movies in Phase 4. I think you <laughs> have to start in A tier. Yes, I agree. I, I don't think this is an S tier film. I don't either. Um, and I think the big distinction between the S tier and the A tier is like either... I feel like the S tier is either movies that are both incredibly well done but also impact the mcu or their movies that have like more than just like the superhero side to them i don't think shang chi has either of those things i actually think this is the top of the a tier for me shang chi is really well done it is unlike anything in the mcu i didn't think i'd care about these characters going into this movie Mm -hmm. and they did they somehow again like it it felt more magical than something like doctor strange like i i do feel that it really captured this essence of like a character and a, a side of the MCU that we hadn't seen. And I'm just excited to see more of the character. Like it made me care about a character I didn't care about um, the same way guardians did. Um, and for that reason, I'm, I, I just think it's the top of a, like the fighting, the fighting choreography in this movie is next level. Every action scene in this movie is fantastic. And then also Simu Liu, we know him from uh, Kim's Convenience, but like he, for most people, he was an unknown. And now like he's such a beloved character in the MCU. Like, I hope he gets a movie before the Avengers movies because he deserves it. It'd be a real shame if he doesn't reappear until uh, the next Uh, Avengers movie. Yeah, until Kang Dan. I agree. He needs another film. I think that honestly would be the biggest, like that would be a huge waste in potential. Waste of potential. So. I would put it probably below Captain America one because I, upon reflection, I did. I think I said I. I think that Doctor Strange was one of my favorite origin movies, but now I see that there's there's three origin movies in front of it. Maybe four now if I put Shang Chi there, but like I think I would put Shang Chi in that that role I, I, in that spot. I would put it below Cap one because Cap one is my favorite origin story, and I I, I think Gene like. I know Gino really likes this movie as well, so if it had to bump Doctor Strange down a spot, I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it should at least go between the Cap movies. I don't know. Like, this movie's so good. It it just tells, like, a really great internal tale. You know what, Jules? I'll allow that, because Morris is an amazing character. Okay, sounds good for Morris. Yeah. Ben Kingsley's faux Mandarin character. Yeah. He, uh... He somehow the the I I was oddly nostalgic at that moment. Yeah, and I was surprised by that. So okay, so this next film I actually can't comment on. So Mateo, you basically have free reign to place it wherever you want, and that is Eternals. This is the one film I have not seen in the MCU yet. Yeah, so I, I feel like if I if once you do see it, you disagree with me, then uh, it would be highly controversial, but. At least I've seen this movie twice, and I gotta say, The Eternals is the least entertaining movie in the MCU. I fell asleep, honestly, I fell asleep watching it the first time. I didn't see it in theaters, obviously, because of, you know, pandemic and all that, but 
Gino and I were watching this movie and I fell asleep. And I told myself, I have to watch Eternals again. I got to give it a chance because I fell asleep. But I, when I finished it, I'm like, wow, I didn't really miss much. And honestly, to this to this day, I wouldn't be able to tell you what happened in this movie. It was just so mundane and blah. Like, the characters I found are, are not really that interesting. And the movie's really long. Like, I, say, I always say this, that a movie shouldn't feel its runtime. But boy, if Eternals feels its runtime. And... I feel like obviously Marvel wanted this movie to be like this grand epic and like the next big thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But when this movie came, like the movie itself doesn't really stake its claim in the universe. It doesn't really do that. It doesn't really do anything that affects the rest of the MCU. And since then, it hasn't really been acknowledged at all. And I don't know if that's because of the reception of this movie that they kind of want to take a it's step It's been back. acknowledged. It's been acknowledged. It, it, it has once. And but like it's a blink and you'll miss it type of thing. Like it, it's not really that. It you'd think it'd be more significant. I feel like they kind of wasted the potential of some of the actors that they cast in here. Like the characters are just not memorable, and that's what I keep coming down to. Like the best when the best character in this movie is Kingo's like caddy, the guy that walks around with his camera all the time. When that guy's your the best character in this movie, you got a problem. Like the the comedic relief side character. I would personally put this in F tier, maybe above Thor Dark World, but honestly, I think I'd put it as dead last. I do not like this movie. Okay, I'll, we'll put it at dead last because I can't comment, so I can't. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a hot take. I think this actually is, may have been like the first like rotten movie. I, I don't like Rotten Tomatoes very much, but this may have been the first rotten movie that Marvel got in the MCU. I might be wrong with that, but anyways. Now we come to the... Yeah, and now we come to the section of I know I disagree with Mateo on pretty much every film coming up, but which ones am I going to choose to fight over? Um, and this is the one I'm going to choose to fight over. I think Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the best superhero films of all time. And I don't think that this film should go anywhere less than S tier. <sighs> I can recognize why some people don't think this is one of the greatest superhero films of all time. However. I also felt that the first time I watched it. And then I saw it again about a week later. And boy, was that ride the second time just like so much better. I think like the problem with this film is that it's easy to get our expectations set really high by things like Endgame. But the second watch of this film was so fantastic. And it really was everything I wanted from this film. I didn't see it the first time. And it's because it moves very fast. It's the kind of film that like doesn't give you a lot of space and time to really think about what's happening because it's moving constantly. Um, very similar to Endgame, but the difference from Endgame is it's not building off of another film. It's kind of just like, I mean, it's it is building off of a quite a yes, number of films. A lot of a lot. Um, of but you know what I mean. But I think like it, the the real appreciation for this film comes from the fact that I have watched every single spider-man film and prior to watching this film i rewatched every single spider-man film and it really did feel like a love letter of all of the spider-man films and that in itself is such a like it's unlike anything it it was an end game for just spider-man films and it did it very well and the arc that peter parker goes through is incredible because it's like sorry this is the way i'm gonna put it let me kind of like re recenter this 
I think my initial disappointment came from the fact that I'm like, I felt it wasn't as big spectacle wise as I was expecting it to be. And I think coming out of that, I was like, why wasn't it bigger? Then the second watch, I really pinpointed it because somehow this movie, not only was it the culmination of three different Spider-Man sagas, it also somehow found this happy medium of like still telling a story about Tom Holland's Peter Parker that was very self-contained to his story while also bringing in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man while not having them upstage or overshadow Tom Holland's Spider-Man and using them sparingly enough that they didn't feel like they felt less like and like overshadowy than like Nick Fury and Iron Man did in the first film, which was a big gripe of the first two films as people were feeling like, is this even a Spider-Man film? Is this not just an Iron Man film or an Avengers film? This didn't feel like a Toby or an Andrew Spider-Man film. This felt like a Tom Holland Spider-Man film. Um, and they used the villains in a very, very interesting way. They focused on the right villains. Somehow, they made Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin even better than he was in the original Spider-Man, where he was already fantastic. And they made him super menacing. Like, the fact that... Uh, and, and they took off the menacing mask. Like, it was literally just Willem Dafoe's face. And he was the most menacing villain, potentially, in the MCU. And they somehow told a story that concluded the MCU Spider-Man arc while starting a new arc for him. That was like everything everybody wanted. Like they found this perfect bridge of like Tom Holland's Spider-Man still being the Tom Holland Spider-Man that we know and love from the first two films while also addressing a lot of the criticisms that a lot of people had about him not being Spider-Man enough. And this film was that bridge. And like that, that is an incredible feat. Like the narrative feat of this film is insane. Not just the spectacle, not just the production, not just the fact that we had this many actors from three different franchises on the screen at the same time, but the fact that narratively they somehow did all of that while also giving Tom Holland Spider-Man a very satisfying arc that both concluded and started a brand new story like I I, I don't know I I just think that this film is is masterfully put together it's kind of hard to argue with what you just said <laughs> or hard to rebuttal with what you said but like I would I would have liked a little bit more of a breather at various points in the movie but that's a very very small quarrel I have with it but like where in S tier do you think it should go? I think it's at the bottom of S tier. I like I personally would put it probably like in my personal ranking, I would probably put it either above Black Panther or above, or above Endgame, but I also do think that it's okay to go at the end of S tier. Cuz I do think Endgame has more satisfy like more satisfaction for MCU watchers. Like this is more like because I'm a big Spider-Man fan and have been a yeah. fan of all the Spider-Man films that that I get that satisfaction out of this film. But I think if you mm -hmm. just take it for what it is at an MCU level, it still deserves to be an S-tier film. However, it's not 
like it, it it lowers that a little i'm good with that like if you want to put it above black panther i'm honestly fine with that also so i had a feeling spider-man was going to be uh, spider-man far from or um no way home was going to be an s tier so okay. i'm good with that You're taking it i don't often force my movies in like this but i'll take the spider-man win Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I want to start with off with this one. Yeah. And I want to start with this. So my love of Doctor Strange has been very well documented thus far. And this is by far the most disappointing movie in the MCU, in my opinion. I don't know if they intended this to be the case, but this was... It felt like going into this movie, this was going to be the movie that changed everything. This was the... It has multiverse in the title. Like, this was after Spider-Man, like, we got a taste of the multiverse. This was supposed to be the blowout for the multiverse in the MCU. And it really wasn't. It was a mess, in my opinion. It it bounced around too much. And I just feel like it was, honestly, like, they squandered the title, The Multiverse of Madness. It could have been used, like, in a different movie. And it just did not live up to the potential that or, or or the hype and i know this movie also commercially didn't live up to the hype or, or live up to what marvel and disney's expectations were for it like it didn't even make a billion dollars so i would put this in the c tier for sure and i really like i strongly believe it is a c tier movie like this to me like it's i don't know yeah i I did, honestly like. I am so upset even thinking about like how excited I was for this movie and getting what we got. Like, Wanda was so well done in in WandaVision, and like it kind of they kind of like demeaned her and and like belittled her in this movie, and I I don't really like that. And not to mention like her, she she was like too evil. I found like I and I don't buy I don't buy like the 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 change in her her personality really in this movie. Like it, and uh, I yeah. feel like it, it coming out of WandaVision, it just did not, it didn't sit well with me. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I do agree with a lot of what you said now, but I want to preface this with, I think that on like what we got actually was a B tier film. I think that this film is very much in my opinion, on the same level as, like, Age of Ultron. However, I do think it should be in the C tier, and I, I will tell you why. And I think it's it's the recency of this film. I think by the end of Phase 6, people will look back on this film, and it will be higher on a lot of people's lists than it was when it came out. But I also want to acknowledge that that's not the time we're in right now, and that we do have to take the context of the time in which this movie came out to consider it as it is now. And that's where I want to talk about why, like, I think it should be in C tier. Now this film is, I think this film is actually good. Like, I think it's, it's good in the way that age of Ultron is like, it does have a lot of good highs. Like there's a lot of good action. There's a lot of great moments. However, what was wrong with this film is ultimately marketing. Like the marketing of this film undermined it in so many ways. Like you, like you already stated, like it being called the multiverse of madness. That was a bad title for this film. That's just what it was. It was a bad title for this film. 
it made us believe and expect that this was the blowout of the multiverse, which it isn't, which we know is coming up, but it wasn't this film. That undermined it and that created expectations. Um, and this film wasn't about the multiverse. It was not about the multiverse. It was about mm -hmm. the Scarlet Witch. This movie should have been called Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch. That's what it should have been called. Like, really. that If it was called that, the expectations would have been very different. The other thing that the marketing did very poorly is when they announced that Wanda was going to be in the film, they hinted she might play a... She's going to come into conflict with him. Great. Sounds interesting because they should come into conflict. They're very different characters. And then the marketing showed her in conflict with Doctor Strange, which made us believe that this isn't the main conflict of the story because they're showing it. Mm -hmm. And then it was the main conflict of the story. And that was weird because it's like, if you wanted to hide this, why didn't you hide it? Why did you tell us that this was the conflict of the story? And then in the story, it's like it was a surprise. That's the difference. It's like in the story, they made they tried to make it seem like it was this big surprise that Wanda turned out to be corrupted by the Darkhold. And it's like, but that's not a surprise. You kind of showed that in the marketing to a degree. So where is showed the, that at the end of WandaVision? <laughs> like, where's the big bad? Like, where's the like? And where's I, Mephisto? I, and like, yeah, where's Mephisto? And that, that's the thing is, I actually like that Wanda was the main villain. I just think they approached it in such a weird way. The reveal that she was the main villain happened too early in the film. Like, they could have had a whole first act that had nothing to do with Wanda or at least painted Wanda as like, kind of like a hero instead of having a scene like it, that's, that's literally it. There was a scene of Wanda kind of being a hero. And then at the end she messes up and it's like, Oh, I'm the baddie. And then she's the, the villain for the rest of the film. It was weird. It was just like weirdly structured. And then Sam Raimi's style worked at times, but in other times it was really weird. Like there was a, that weird, like, sequence where she's like dream walking and it has that like electric guitar music and then there's the iMovie transitions happening and I'm like what is going on like this feels like a 90s movie yeah at times like it like that's the thing is like I'm all for Sam Raimi's style like being in the film but there were times where I'm just like somebody should have said something mm -hmm. um and then this movie also very much suffered with the show not tell error of storytelling where like it told us a lot of stuff but never showed it so for example like at the very end in the climax of the film where it's like oh the souls of the damned will like like all the souls of the damned that this that the dark hold have held captive will help you to defeat the scarlet witch i'm just like what this is a random concept that hasn't even been introduced and now suddenly it's like the the deus ex machina of this film like and i'm like this is this is a weird narrative choice or like even like wanda being corrupted by the dark hold like i feel like they didn't do enough to like especially coming off of wanda vision where we had this very emotional arc for her i feel like they didn't do enough to show us initially that she was being corrupted by the dark hold like we by the end of the film we kind of got it but at least at the beginning, it just felt very weird that she was acting this way. And they just kind of told us, right? That's the thing. It's not like they tried to make it a mystery. Like, why is she acting this way? 
They told us from the get-go, like Doctor Strange and Wong say, the Darkhold is taking control of her mind. That's great, but you're not showing it. You're just telling us that. And so after we've just watched a whole like six-hour series of Wanda going through her grief and overcoming this like dark aspect of her, you're going to undo that with a single line? Like that That's the issue. I don't have an issue with them undoing it or them interpreting it this way. I have an issue with how they chose to do it and how they like decided to to walk over her development in WandaVision with a line rather than like spending the movie showing her fall apart. Like it, it just felt like there needed to be a story or at least a full act of this movie devoted to Wanda's downfall. And there wasn't, she had already, it's like WandaVision happened her downfall happened between that movie and this movie. And then they expected us in this movie to believe that she had already just fully gone full force. I'm going to murder the multiverse. And I, I just feel like there needed to be a story between. So how would you feel if this went into D tier below Incredible Hulk just for t- Billy and Tommy's song that they sung? No, I don't think it's that bad. No, 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 no. That's low tier MCU. But I, I do think this is a C tier movie. I actually do think it's above Thor still. Because I do think the highs of this movie are incredibly high. Like, way higher than anything like Thor and below. And I think that's what this movie has for it, that those movies don't. Is None of those movies have any highs that reach the highs of Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness does have very, very high highs. It just has also some very weird choices and some low lows. So I, I really just think the issue with this film is inconsistency, not that it isn't good or doesn't have good in it. So I I do think this should be the top of C and I do think eventually it will be a B tier Mm -hmm. film in hindsight. Once like Wanda comes back and they do her story justice and we have a multiverse movie. Like I I do think it will eventually become a B tier movie. All right. But right now I think it should be the top of C. Hopefully Billy and Tommy never sing again. (laughs) I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to see those kids. Thor love and thunder. Um, Are we putting this in F? I would like to say, and I say this, liking Jane Foster in this movie, like a lot, and liking Christian Bale. Christian Bale was decent. I, at the time when I watched it, I thought it was a little better than Multiverse of Madness, but I was like, I still like, you know, it's good. I enjoyed it. I watched it again, and I've never had this experience rewatching a Marvel film. This is the worst Marvel film. This is the one. It is so unironically unfunny and poorly told that, like, I can't even. It, like, so going back to our conversation about Thor Ragnarok and this movie, th- like, the big reasons why this movie and Thor Ragnarok are very different is because, you know, Thor Ragnarok opens like this epic, like, Hela destroys his hammer and sends him on this journey of, like, grief. And then, like, it culminates in this massive battle between the, like, army that Thor and Hulk have gathered on um, Sakaar and, like, all of Asgard and then Hela's forces and then Surtur's there. Like, it's all epic. Whereas this film, like, opens with, like, some silly, poorly choreographed battle in New Asgard where, like, Thor and Jane kill, like, a couple of spiders or whatever they are. 
and then culminates in like Thor and a bunch of children beating up Christian Bale. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just like it it sucks. It like really sucks. Like there are there are parts of the film that are great, and most of the those parts are like the emotional core between Thor and Jane. And I think they did that decent, but there were also a lot of moments that were like really weird between them. Yeah, and I, I felt towards the end it was really like uh, the the last like Jane is in the hospital. Thor's like, okay, I'm gonna go by myself. I'm thinking to myself, okay, Jane, just don't do what I know what you're gonna do. And she just she comes and fights with Thor, and then she dies. Like I I I was not not happy with that decision. But the thing that drives me up the wall with this movie is those bloody goat things. That oh, that scream everywhere. Oh, yeah, like it happened once. I'll let it slide, but like, come on, Taika. Like, yeah, there's a lot of like that's the thing, too. Is like, again, like going back to Thor Ragnarok, like part of what worked with Thor Ragnarok is sure, like, you might not like Jeff Goldblum, that's fine, but at least like Thor Ragnarok had like three distinct areas in the movie. It was like the beginning with Asgard and Hela, and then they were on Sakaar. And they interacted, and the characters interacted for a long period of time, and then they they're back at Asgard, you know, and like, I just felt like this movie was one of those movies that just jumps from point to point to point to point, and like none of the scenes like really just stood out. Like everything was just like that whole scene in the like the the planet of the god or the city of the gods was awful. Yep, it was horrible. Like, not one moment did they take that scene seriously. Everything was and a joke. Nothing, and that's the thing is, the problem with this movie, where the, like, because, like, Ragnarok had moments, like, Sakaar, a lot of it was jokes. But for the most part, the jokes and the banter were good. None of the jokes in this film were good. Like, it was, like, trying to be funny or silly, and, like, it just wasn't funny. And they just kept repeating the same jokes, right? Like, like it was like the the three jokes that just kept popping up is like, oh, you're not invited to the orgy, and um, oh, the Thor's hammer is jealous, or like um, what's it called? His axe is jealous of the hammer. Yeah. Um, and like, like it was just, I don't know. It was, it was a weird film. It was a weird film to have like this incredibly intimidating villain who's like lost his daughter and wants to slaughter the gods. And Jane Foster literally dying of cancer, but then every moment everybody interacts, they're just like cracking jokes, and they're not even good mm-hmm. jokes. They're just yeah. like silly. It didn't even feel like they had a script, and I don't think they had a script. But you didn't really notice it in Ragnarok. You noticed it in this film, and it, uh, I don't know. And like the ending is not satisfying. Like it made me love Thor as Jane, or sorry, Jane as Thor, because I liked seeing her again. And then they just like killed her off, and I was like, really. Like, I, I want to see more of her. Like, why? And then, not to mention, this is a separate thing, but when they were on their press tour for this film, like, they at, they really made everybody feel like this movie was going to explore, like, a love triangle between Valkyrie, Jane, and Thor. And it's fine that they didn't do it, but don't advertise that. Like, don't don't make people think that this film is going to have a plot point that you're literally not going to have. Like, that that's just stupid. I, I kind of 
I was borderline uncomfortable with Valkyrie in this movie. Like she was constantly horny. Like she was just IFing everybody. Like it was just super uncomfortable to watch. Like, oh, Thor, you should never wear your shirt. It was so, un- it was just so cringe to watch. Like she was one of the things in Ragnarok that I liked. And you're kind of like distilling her into like this really shallow characteristic yeah. that's just not cool. They ruined her in this film. Like they, they just did not use her properly. Like she was just like she shouldn't have even been there to be honest. It was mm-hmm. it was weird. And same with like Korg did nothing. Oh Korg, I'm. It was a weird they, film. They did it... Korg. They did they did Korg dirty at Love and Thunder. Yeah, there was like and even like they wasted the Guardians. Like I, there was really so there really was just like nothing in this film that was really redeemable. Like other than a few lines. Like I think like them introducing Jane's story about cancer and like getting her to the point of becoming Thor was interesting, but everything that came after was kind of like muddied. And I think everything about Thor in this film sucked. Like, I think Thor was the most unlikable he's ever been in this he film. Was, like, like he's cringe. He, is he was cringe. very cringe. How, how he ha- very was, cringe. was with around well, while he was around the guardians of the galaxy. Like what's, I, I don't get this, this thing they're trying to do with star Lord and Thor. I just I don't. Yeah, but it was natural. It made sense in Endgame yeah. and Infinity War. But like here, it was too much. It was so forced. It was so forced. Oh my god. Yeah, I I think I have too many gripes about this film to put Below it anywhere else. Yeah, I think let's throw it. Let's. Mm. I'm okay with that. I'm like like I said with Eternals. When you finally watch that movie, you you'll probably disagree with where it's placed. But yeah. Nothing will change the fact that Thor is dead last on this list. Yeah. Or Love and Thunder. So, okay. Um, we got two films left. So we have the end of phase four, which is Wakanda Forever. Now I know we have different opinions on this one. Um, I don't think they're that different. It's just as a movie itself in the MCU, not counting the importance and significance of this outside of the movie realm, I just it it was it was kind of boring like it i That's loved fair. namor that was amazing but why does okoye have an iron man suit now right i mean that's like, from the comics but i know but it, it's it's i don't i don't like that i i loved the flooding of wakanda that's similar to namor but like i personally would not have made almost 3 hour movie in my opinion, like this movie, they had they had an impossible task. They basically had to tell a movie without its main character. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a group effort. It was a, it, everyone stood up, like everyone stepped up, right? But like Mbaku is a character I feel like would have should have stood up a little more. But he was barely in the movie. He was only in like three scenes, and he was he was the butt end of jokes yet again, mm-hmm. which I didn't really like. But like. Shuri was fantastic. She went on a great, great character journey throughout this movie. Yeah. Would I nominate Angela Bassett for an Oscar? No. But she, I think, she had a very strong presence in this movie as well. But that being said, it felt really long. And I feel like it, it kind of was a mess in parts. Yeah. I, I don't disagree so, with that. I And I do think it felt very long. I I will stand by this opinion that I have about this film that Spider-Man No Way Home and Wakanda Forever are the two 
best single movie character studies in all of the MCU. I think Shuri's character journey in this film is unlike any we've seen in the MCU thus far. I think if you're looking at it purely as a character study, this was a very, very well put together character journey. But it's not just that. You're right. Like, there's more to the film than just that. And I do Mm. agree that the plot was definitely messy. Actually, I I wouldn't call it messy. I don't think I would call it messy. I think it made sense. I think the plot wasn't messy. It was. It felt long. The two toughest tasks that this film had were, one, Namor. Like, Namor is really well done as an antagonist. And also, like, giving him a parallel journey to Shuri and to T'Challa to, to a degree. But I think what made it very difficult was that um, we didn't have the connection to him that we have to these other characters so it was hard to feel his journey the way we were feeling shuri's journey because shuri's journey wasn't just her journey like it was also the audience's journey because we actually lost chadwick as well so it was very hard to connect them and it was very hard to like even though you could kind of see the parallels like i think i think that fell a little short even though it was like on paper it's well done but in reality, it was difficult because we are feeling a very real grief and we're trying to compare it to a very fictional grief that they didn't really spend that much time on. Like, they didn't spend that much time showing Namor's grief. Um, they also didn't spend enough time building Atlantis. And again, I think that kind of goes back to the fact that they had to spend a lot of time unpacking the grief of T'Challa that Atlantis became a secondary aspect to this film like Namor in many ways was a secondary conflict to the film where the real conflict was grief right Mm -hmm. and I think that also made it difficult to um, tell a story where we're supposed to care about the plot but the plot is also actually like both within the context of the film and outside of the film the plot is being like presented as the side plate to the main course which is the grief of Chadwick. And I think that's that that made it tricky to like care about the plot when like really like we were caring more about the the emotional journeys. Um and it also I think put a lot of for those that did care about the plot, um, maybe more so than the grief, it also put put the viewer in like this position where it was like where like this movie is more of a memorial than it is a story. Um, I do. I do also want to touch upon that. The other thing that just felt out of place is that, again, even though Namor's like story was harder to buy into because we weren't feeling like the real effects, it was all thematically tied, which made the moments of the film that were not thematically tied very difficult to care about. Um, part of that was Ironheart. I liked Ironheart. I liked her character, but like her plot was hard to care about in the context of the film because it wasn't tied to the theme of grief. And definitely it was very difficult to, to want to see the scenes of Martin Freeman's character and Valentina, um, DeFontaine. Cause like there were too many scenes about them for them to get to the point that they got to, like, I'm like, this could have been one scene because really like this, it felt too disconnected from what was going on in the film. Mm-hmm. 
And it felt very intrusive, actually, because that was clearly a setup for a future film. And that just felt weird. It's like this film is like intentionally trying to not be something setting up future storylines to the point where like a rumored post credit scene was actually like not filmed or and or removed from the film. So it felt weird that they they had so much screen time yeah. on those characters in the context of this film. So I, I do think that there were, there were things that were messy about the film, but I do think the heart of the film is really strong. Um, and I do still think that this film is less messy than multiverse of madness. Like, I still think this is a B tier film on maybe the lower end of the B. Um, but I still think there's enough from this film that was incredible that it still deserves to be called a good film. Um, there's just, of course, shortcomings that I think in some ways the movie couldn't control and in some ways it could have. That's why it's so hard to place. Like, I, I honestly would wish that the this was almost like a show instead of a movie because mm-hmm. it, be, it would be easier to give everything the time it needed in a in a a longer like nine episode show as opposed to a three hour movie. That being said, I don't think this movie's good enough to be in B tier. Like I would distill my issues with Ant Man as one issue. Or with, with Captain Marvel, I have one issue with that movie. Right? I have multiple issues with Wakanda Forever. I have multiple issues with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? That's in fair. terms of quality, I would say it's closer to Wakanda Forever, sorry, uh, to Multiverse of Madness from a from a uh, uh, storytelling standpoint. So i i would I would put it maybe at the top of C, but I would not put it in B tier. I I really think it doesn't belong in B tier. And see, I I would agree with you if it wasn't for that. This film did a lot of things really well because that's the thing is sure there were there were things that did fall short, but this movie there's so much to care about in this movie in terms of like the character work in terms of the acting in terms of like the themes like this again like goes back to like the first black panther like this is a movie that transcends the superhero genre in its message like it is a message about grief and about loss and about moving forward and silly ant movie about a heist i'm sorry like I don't care how many issues there are in Black Panther. The heights of Black Panther blow a lot of the movies that are in B tier completely out of the water. And I don't think its shortcomings are as detrimental to the movie as Multiverse of Madnesses were. Like I think Multiverse of Madnesses shortcomings like outright defeat the purpose of the movie whereas i think black panther wakanda forever's shortcomings make the movie a little bit boring at times or they don't they don't allow it to reach its full potential but i don't think they make it a bad movie i don't think they undermine anything within the movie like i still think for the most part the movie is very thematically and character wise like concise um, it doesn't undermine itself the way that multi like the movies I look in C tier are pretty like messy or boring or like don't have anything extravagant or like any kind of message behind them. They're just kind of there. And even the back end of B tier, I look at that and I'm just like, 
they're like okay films, but they don't have anything deeper behind them. Like it's hard for me to say Black Panther is a C tier film when it has so much to say. And it does say it very, very well. You've won me over with saying it can go in B tier, but like I feel like we have to place it. At the very least, I think it needs to be above Ant Man. All right. I'm fine with that. And then the newest film, which actually what you brought up about Wakanda forever being the end of the the phase, this would have served as a much better end of, to phase four. Well, exactly. There you go. Right. Like really, like if we're looking at that context, this film should have been the end of phase four. I am man in the wasp. Quantumania. This movie is also like a little bit tough for me to place because I feel like there is some degree of squandered potential with this movie. Yeah. Where like I, I feel like the marketing and the just the name alone promised something along the same lines as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You don't name a movie Quantum Mania. Mania implies like it's going to go nuts. It's going to be like this big thing. Because after seeing Doctor Strange, I'm like, okay, well, this wasn't the blowout for the multiverse or whatever. Batman is going to be that then, right? This is going to be the movie that really puts the pedal to the metal for the the future of the MCU. And it, it both did and didn't do that because Kang is a very complicated character. We were introduced to Kang in Loki season one and like it was a tease, but you know, he spoke very cryptically. And when they announced Kang was going to be the main villain of Quantumania, then we're like, we're going to really understand what's happening in this movie. Because even like Loki, when they were talking about the sacred timeline, the TVA, all that there was still a, a veil of mystery behind all of that by the end of season one. And I don't really feel any more confident in explaining what the, th- the real threat is here at the end of quantum mania, because the ending kind like, I feel like the movie started up really, really quickly and the ended and tied everything up really quickly. Like we talked before the podcast about how we feel about Kang and how Ant-Man was able to take out Kang. I get it, like, he's depowered, but Ant-Man is just a normal dude. He couldn't shrink, like, he was just a a normal guy at that point, and he was able to take out this potential godlike figure. I feel like it's a middle movie. It is, yeah. I don't know if I like it more. I I think I don't like it as much as the original Ant-Man, but I for sure like it more than Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a toss of a coin for me. I I do think it's a better movie than the original Ant-Man for me. However, I do think it's, like you said, very similar to Multiverse of Madness. I think that the marketing really hurt this film in the sense that, you know, it really advertised Kang and built Kang. Like, oh, we're going to show Kang. Kang's our next big villain. Kang, Kang, Kang. And that's fine. But they undermined Kang. And they, I really feel like it's going to be hard to sell. Like, my dad was like, that guy's Thanos, the like next Thanos. I watched it with my dad. He's like, but Ant-Man beat him. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, like, <laughs> I really feel like this was the wrong film to introduce Kang if that's how they wanted to resolve it. Either Kang needed to have a reduced role and MODOK should have taken more of the forefront as the main villain. So then the, the, the win at the end is that they defeat MODOK, not that they defeat Kang. Mm-hmm. Or it should have been Ant-Man and, you know, his whole group should have done what they did best, which is outsmart people. And he should have outsmarted Kang, not beat him in a fist fight. He should have, like, you know, when Kang wasn't looking, like, his daughter should have, like, tampered with Kang's, like, coordinates. And then when he, he left the quantum realm, he ended up in, like, deep space. And then he was trapped again. 
like something like that like where like it was like very real about Kang is a big threat and we recognize this and there's no way we can stop him but we can at least do what we do best which is stall him while we go prepare the bigger guys for him eventually showing up like I really think that's that's how they should have approached it and for that mm-hmm. reason I think I would put again I think this movie is the kind of movie that later on just like Age of Ultron is going to probably get higher because it, it there's nothing wrong internally with the film but what's wrong with it is again like the intentions it sets up and the things that it does and how it undermines future storylines um, and, and until we see how they handle those future storylines, it's really difficult to trust that this was the right way to handle the plot. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's in a very similar boat as Multiverse of Madness in that sense, where like there's a lot of good spectacle, there's a lot of great things about it, but there's also a lot of weird choices. So I, I personally think it should probably go above Multiverse of Madness and C tier. I'm good with that. Although I really liked Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, mm-hmm. and I do recommend everybody go see it. It is not as bad as people are saying. It is by no means a bad Definitely. movie. It is actually a very enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. I'm normally the guy that comes out of the Marvel movies lately as like the uh, the biggest negative Nancy, right? But I was surprised after coming out of the theater after multi or after Quantumania. I think I was the person that liked it the most. That shocked me. That never happens. Yeah, interesting. Well. That brings us to the end of a very long MCU Films tier list. Mm-hmm. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we did it similarly to you, did it differently. Very interesting that Guardians of the Galaxy ended up being our top film, but I'm surprisingly okay with that. But yeah, let us know what you think. Um, and that brings us to the end of our quest. Please remember, if you like what you heard, like and subscribe um, for more video content here at The Hub. Mateo... If you would like to end off our MCU tier list episode with a special message to one Microsoft. Microsoft, make a new Banjo game. See everybody. See ya.